So um, I want to tell you guys a, um, a little story. I, we, we, me and Naku was uh, a while ago. We was um, chatting with uh, a couple, and as as we were chatting, um, the couple started opening up to us. This, this is not a couple in, in our church. They started opening up, and um, it uh, it then came or happened, or what was being revealed by the lady is that when she was much younger, much younger, even in school, something very traumatic and very severe happened to her. And so much so that it's still impacting impacting her life in a major, major way, you know. You know, as you listen, you you could see that they almost want to hear advice from us. So so it was it was open. We we could we could share what we, we think and so on and and uh, you know, it's it's like this this trust issue of God that is clear, and you know, it's, you must give it to God. Type of things that we said, and she said, "Well, I, I can't trust God." It's a good Christian lady that just choose to be very, very honest. She says, "I can't trust God." I'm like, but, but, "But why not? He's God, and you know He loves you, and uh, all those things." And, and and she says, "Well." If God loved me, and if he is almighty and all those things, why did he allow the thing that happened to me? All right? And by the way, if you're in ministry, that's a type of thing that you hear all the time. Yeah. That's the that's type of question, type of thing that people will say to you all the time. And uh, um, I was, again, just very ready to explain to her um, all these things. No, and, and let me let me just tackle this question a little bit. God never, ever promised us on this earth that we will be alive free of, you know, bad things happening to us. He has promised us in the next life that bad things won't happen to us, right? But in this life, He has not promised us any of these things. In fact. He warns us and tells us that bad things will happen to us, right? Now, uh, um, he would not say then that he's ordered bad things to happen to us, but he, he, he almost, and I, I'm going to read this verse. It, it would have happened or been easy if, if I could just gone like this, but I think it's Psalm 115, verse 16. This is a great verse for the... Arminius. Vian, you can, you can. Psalm 115, verse 16. Vian, maybe you can read it for us. Loud and clear. 115, verse 16. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man not. All right, the highest heavens belong to the Lord. I was looking back. <laughs> the highest heavens belongs to the Lord, but the earth is given to man. And so what's going to happen and play out on the earth is largely going to depend on decisions that's been made by human beings. Right? Certain of the bad things that happened on the earth was not because God has ordered that or make it happen. It's just because he's delegated the earth to man to make certain things. And because of who he is, he refuses 
to invade those type of things. That's the deal. That's the, if you may, the dispensation that we live in, right? The other thing that you also need to understand is there is a certain leeway, and again, the measure of it is, is, is debatable, but there's a certain leeway that Satan has to operate. Satan can operate on the earth. You might have noticed, right? And so he operates with you in a certain way, but if people are fully, fully given over to him and fully given over to evil, he, the, the amount of work and the operation that he can do is just so much, so much greater, and evil things will happen to good people, right? Um, on, in heaven, of course, the devil will not operate. He will be bound thrown in hell and he will not influence us but on the earth Jesus tells us there would be a certain leeway for him to operate there would be a certain leeway for sinful men to live out and some of us all of us will be victims of that and uh, <laughs> Jesus never promised us otherwise right and uh, you know trying to trying to explain that to the person somehow somehow didn't completely completely comfort her and <laughs> um, trying but look you know there, there's going to come a time where none of these things will happen we will be in heaven right but uh, um, anyway so we we then we decided to to just pray for her and somehow trust that the the view of God will change right it's I'll, I'll tell you before I got saved, you know, and I, I did my little bit of drug habit that me and Martina shared in, uh, um, not that we ever did it together. If we found one another, we probably would have, but uh, <laughs> we couldn't find one another. But uh, I remember uh, at times, you know, being and, and I grew up in a Christian home, you know, so you know you. You've, you've learned all the good things about what you should do and all the bad things that you shouldn't do. And I remember, you know, being being high on drugs and feeling nice. I had to confess it was nice, right? I felt nice and I thought to myself, I don't know why everybody's so hard on the devil. He's actually not such a bad guy. I mean, I must give it to him. I mean, he makes me feel quite well now. If, I mean, if he's thought those things out, I mean, that's not too bad idea. The funny thing is the next morning I will feel really bad, depressed, and I'll be angry at God. Well, I suck. Why do you do this? I thought you're such a good God. I thought you loved me. It's interesting how we, how we process these type of things, right? But anyway, I, I, uh, um, I was trusting that somehow with this lady, the view of God that the devil has obviously imprinted. Look, it's one of the devil's classic ideas. How he gets us he presents himself as the good guy I've got this great apple that's gonna change you and make you feel very nice God is a party pooper that wants to keep it away from you you know that is that is his classic his classic temptation God doesn't really care for you right and so we sit with this lady and we we trusting that God will show something to her and uh, um, I we, we have this this uh, technique that uh, sometimes it really works so again I don't know where you guys stand on that th theologically but but hey 
So um, she's afraid that I'm going to share too much detail. I won't. I won't. I won't share too much detail. So, so uh, um, what we are trusting for a person to do is we we uh, we we sometimes ask that they would go back in their mind to that dramatic time or moment, and then we will ask the Holy Spirit to just come and bring truth in that place, or m maybe show Jesus in that situation how how we thought about it, or whatever the case might be. And so what I, uh, I asked her to go to this dramatic event, and uh, she went there, and I asked her, do you see Jesus somewhere while this is all taking place? And she said, yes, he's very much on the edge of the scene, looking, but quite disengaged. It's like, yes, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you're not helping her. So... <laughs> So then I say, and I realize that's not Jesus. So I said, can every false Jesus please remove itself? Boom, and it disappeared. So I ask and I pray. I said, Holy Spirit, now reveal to her where Jesus is in this situation. And uh, I've, never, I've never experienced this before. I've never heard this type of experience. And the next moment she said, I, I, I don't see him. I experiencing him right in me. Well, that that seems to be not too far fetched of what scripture is telling us all the time. And then she said the next moment, she says, and I experience that my pain is becoming his pain. And every bit of suffering that he I am going on, he's experiencing exactly the same so I've, 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 uh, um, I've never I've, I've never thought about I mean I've thought about of course it's like a truth that's been taught to us all the time and he's sympathizing and he's he's carrying all our stuff and all that type of things but I've never had it so much that to and it, it just opened up to me every type of pain every type of thing that you've ever went through he was not the sympathizer that would be the good pastor that go like, oh, yes, I, I feel for you, right? It, it doesn't take much. He was, much, he was a much greater sympathizer in every regard saying, I'm going to not only allow you to have your pain, but I'm going to take that pain with you. Tell me, when do you feel sympathy? When do you feel sympathy? I, I, I wanna, I, I, you know, why, why, why do you get clubs like AA? <laughs> the alcohol, there's several reasons why, but why do people that have certain struggles group together? Because they understand one another. They experience sympathy and understanding with one another. All right? Now, there is one sympathy that says, I have went through something similar. Uh, um, Martinez did mushrooms, I did acid, right? There's something that we had like some sort of similarity. We understand one another, the ups and the downs, right? But it's something completely different. If ever, the very pain that you go through, I didn't have something similar, but exactly the same I'm willing to take on for you. Your pain... Is going to become my pain. Your shame is going to become my shame. Your embarrassment 
is going to become my embarrassment. I'm going to go fully. And it blew my mind for a moment because here we are. God is not willing to the, the arrangement here is the, the heavens is ruled by, by God. The earth is going to hand over to man. I can't invade that. I can't in this dispensation. There's going to come a dispensation where I'm going to bind the devil. But not in this dispensation. And people are suffering. And people are going through pain. What am I going to do? I know what you all want him to do. Just take the pain away. Just keep it away. Now I, I told you I'm not going to do that. That's for heaven. Just give me my great job. <laughs> give me, just make life easier. He's not going to do that. Now he promises us in heaven, like I'm, I'm repeating myself here, but I just want to make the distinction here. It's not saying that it's not going to be like that forever. There's going to come a time where no evil will touch you. No bad thing will touch you. But now, on this earth, he didn't promise that. So how is he going to deal with it? And see, even in my very best attempts of showing God, it's someone that goes like, oh, even though I love you, and, and that type of counsel that we give. But I realize he, he, he did the ultimate thing. He was not the aloof person. But even if he was in the heavens where life is good, <laughs> he's ruling the roost in heaven. <laughs> he's God. He chose to come down, not just walking on the earth, but he's willing to come down and then go and able to say, I'm able to sympathize with you in every regard. I'm able to carry you in every regard. I'm able to say, you're not alone like I'm standing here while you are going through the pain. I'm going to make your pain my pain. I'm going to make your pain my pain. You're going to be in me. And I'm going to be in you. And I'm going to carry everything. It changes it. For me it changes. It changed everything and how I saw God. So, let's, let's read a couple of verses. Okay. One is, is uh, so I'm going to ask a couple of guys, so we don't have this. So I'm going to ask a couple of you guys to find verses for us. Uh, I can't, uh, Heinrich, can you get uh, Isaiah 53, verse 3 and 5. Emma, you feel like you will be a good reader. Loud and clear, I can see it. <laughs> okay, Hebrews 2, 17 to 19. Any, any, any time. I, I saw, I saw, I saw that end. Hebrews four fifteen. Yeah, Andre. Hebrews five, two to three. And then I'm looking for Second Corinthians five twenty one. Ready, ready. Add him out first one. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Seventeen to nineteen. Okay, so one, two, three. We're gonna we're gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I think the the guys here is pretty loud in in their projections. So I'm not gonna give them the mic. 
But let's just see how it goes. If we can't hear it, I'll give them the mic. So, uh, Emma, will you? Uh, I started with you. Oh, no, Heinrich. I started with Heinrich. Okay. Three to five. Loud, Heinrich. Just give it to us. Thanks, Carla. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he was born of griefs and carried our sorrows, yet was esteemed to be stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our, for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Okay, hi everyone. Hebrews 2 verse 17. Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest to things pertaining to God, to make preparation for the sins for the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Okay, this is uh, NLT, Hebrew 4, verse 15. Okay, guys, just let's pray a prayer. <laughs> uh, no harm be done in Jesus' name. Go, go. Okay. <laughs> the high priest of our understand understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So Hebrews 5 verse 2 to 3. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself, himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. So, the, the, the first one that God dealt with in that situation is, is with, with this understanding. If you deal with God, he's not the guy that sits on a distance and go like, mm, I'm here, I see, but he's very aloof. He's not even the sympathizing, if I may, pastor that's going to go, ah, oh, I hear you. No, he went much further. He was willing to carry all our pains. He was willing to carry all our shame. He bore all our iniquities, right? You understand, the cup that he drank was all of us. <laughs> right? When, 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 when I saw it, it's like different. When I saw it, I could understand like... Man, it is really a sacrifice. It's really not a distant God. Okay. But here's the thing about him. In the stage two. This lady goes and says like, Oh, he carries my pain. My pain becomes his pain. He feels it. He's remorsing as I'm remorsing type of thing. His shame, he's carrying shame as, as, as my, or my shame becomes his shame, that type of thing. And the next moment she says to me, the next moment she says, and I see him going to the cross. You see, there's, uh, um, there's one way to look at God as the ultimate sympathizer. That he was willing to come and pick up our pain and carry our pain. But he's not only the sympathizer. He was willing to go further and deeper. 
Because sympathy doesn't take away my shame. I just feel more understood. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you that you understand me now. I feel much more comfortable. I feel much more God loves me. I feel much more God cares for me. But at the end of the day, I still carry this shame. At the end of this day, I still carry this pain. At the end of the day, I carry still all these things. This is Jesus' solution for the pain on the earth. You see, it changed, it changed the way that I thought so much. And I know this, but it struck me so much. What did he do? He not only was willing to say, my shame will become your shame, but he was willing to take it to the cross. And when he died, my shame died. And when he died, my pain died. The reality of his death became my death. See, I, I grew up in a Christianity that was, of course, believe in the cross. But the cross was this. The working of the cross was a work very much separated from me. It was an object of work. There's the work. It happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus paid a price for all my sins and all the sins of the world. And because he died and spilled his blood, he had negotiation right to the Father and says, please forgive them and allow them into heaven. But the effects of the cross had zero impact on my life. There was no, and if I use that word again, subjective impact, meaning his death became my death. When I came in him, as much as he died, I died. And so obviously when I became a Christian, everything, everything changed as I really became a Christian. Because the question was always, how do I know that God signed my paper? How do I know that when I go to heaven, actually the signature is here and saying, yes, yeah, you signed, the papers are ready, you go. No, the day when I met Jesus and I realized he's transformed my life, something has changed here. I don't know what, something has changed and uh, he's dealing then with it, his death. So I, wanna, I want us to read a couple of verses. Um, the first one is Romans 6, verse 1 to 7. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 13, 12 to 17. Any takers? I'm giving the mic. Dev, I think I'm, I'm seeing you. I'm going to, I'll have to. Need the value of the Romans 6. Romans 6, 1, 7. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. 
Did I ask? Did I ask someone else? Ah, I'm not gonna throw Jan. Second Corinthians five. Should be maybe we should get a. Hopefully there's grace because this is also the NLT. Second <laughs> uh, Corinthians uh, chapter five verse twelve. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us, so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God, and if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old self. Verse 15 as well. Uh, 15, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. So, um, you know, one of the, one of the um, verses in, in, in Romans 6 verse 2, there's different translations. And I just want to say, even in our perspective, our, our, it's different. The one would say, we are, we are dead to sin. And so dead to sin would, would, in some of our understandings, be like this. Dead to sin would be, I'm no longer interested in sin. Right? It's, it's, it's sometimes a metaphor that we would say that when I, I, I don't want to do anything with anybody anymore, I'm dead to that thing. I'm dead to rugby. <laughs> All right? It's a, it's a good time to be dead to rugby now. How many, how many, have, say, how many have said that? After last night. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But there's a new death that entered into rugby yesterday, right? I'm dead to rugby. I'm dead to the Springboks. I'm not going to watch them anymore, all right? But it, it's more of a symbolic thing that you have not really died. But Romans 6 2, the better translation is, I have died to sin. And the word and the meaning there of died means it is referring to a previous historic event. I've literally died. And because of I, my death, as sure as he died, so sure I've died. As sure as my shame was carried by him, and so sure as he died with that, so sure I've died with that. As sure as the power of sin that controlled me, so sure. And, 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 uh, um, and Christ, carried by Jesus, he died with it, and I, I've, I'm dead to it. It was a, um, a very famous theologian called Augustinus, okay? And uh, um, he, was, he was a naughty man, right? He was not in Christ when he was a younger man. Very naughty. He loved women, actually so much so that he would pay for them. So he was into prostitutes. His poor mother was a good Christian lady, all right? 
And she's prayed for Augustinus her whole life and trusted God to do something with him. And then at a certain stage, Augustinus decided to go to Rome. And his mother is standing on the shore of the harbor as he's going off with the ship to Rome. And she's thinking by herself, here he goes. I'm trusting you, God, to save him. And you've never done it. And now you allow him to go off to Rome, which is the epitome of everything that's immoral. All right. Rome was the epitome of what is immoral. It will be a, I don't know, a modern day. <laughs> I would not name names. Yeah. And, uh, um, but, you know, mysterious ways of God, as he got to Rome, he got saved. He encountered God, he got saved, and he, he comes years later, he comes back, and he walks in the street of his hometown, and as he's walking one day, one of his previous ladies saw him. A prostitute and she sees him walk and she shouts Augustinus it's me <laughs> and he just continues to walk and she goes Augustinus it's me and she continues to ignore uh, he continues to ignore her and he walks on and she runs still straight at him and she said it's me and he looked at her and he said, I know it's you, but it's not me anymore. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. So um, in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, we are told that in the way that we judge one another, how do we know one another? How do we know ourselves? Romans 6, verse 1 says, know therefore who you are. The problem of Romans 6 is this. The, the understanding of the cross was a merely a forgiveness of sins. And the grace of God is displayed by the forgiveness of sins. And so the Romans asked themselves this question, well, if the grace of God can continue, why can't I just continue to sin? Because grace would be sufficient for us. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You can't sin so that grace can increase. Of course you cannot. And then he answers this question, why not? Why don't you know yourself? That's what Paul says to them now. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know that when Christ died, you died? Don't you know the man that was, the man and the woman that was gripped in the things that you were gripped was nailed to the cross? Don't you know that the shame that you carried was nailed to the cross? Don't you know that the iniquities that you carried that became his iniquities was nailed to the cross? Don't you know that you're freed from that? It's a different creature right now. Death was as real as that. So Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 5 or 16 says, when we come to know one another, we don't come to know one another anymore of what we've done or what others have done to you. But we come to know one another now according to the Spirit. I look, I look at Rudy now. Right? Rudy like many of us, <laughs> has walked many, many, many turns in his life. The wildlife. I don't know Rudy according to what he's done. He's, he's, none of his deeds define him for me. None of his deeds define him for me. He's simply for me defined by the cross of Jesus Christ. He's completely defined for me by the cross of Jesus Christ. 
Here's the problem. We sometimes have the grace to look at one another and define one another by the cross. But we really struggle to define ourselves by the cross. It's when we have to look at ourselves. Do you know who you are? We still so often define ourselves by what we've done. But we so many times define ourselves with how others treat us. And you're not who others treat you are. No man defines you. But the cross of Jesus defines you. Such an amazing thing, you know, this, this sin that we were born with, you know, and it, it manifests in different ways. Like, I'm picking on Martinez today, but, but, <laughs> corny, really. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, the natural inclination was to, to, to have fun in the way that we did. Sin took a hold of us. And you put us in a certain atmosphere, in a certain place, we had no chance. We were slaves by it, and it pulled us away that we would indulge in, in drugs and all kinds of things. Others were you, others of you had no chance when it came to performance. You were so ambitious to become great or famous or rich or whatever. And when you were thrown in a certain environment, the sin in you had no chance to say no. And you were completely enslaved by that. And Paul then comes and says, this power of this thing that's ruled you has lost its power by you dying. It's this interesting thing, you know, I, I, uh, when, when trying to, to help people come through with sin and the issues with sin, is the number one issue is not necessarily their self-discipline or their self-control. The number one issue is they don't know who they are in relation to sin. They truly think sin has power over them. They truly see themselves as an old person. And if you would understand who you are, don't you know who you are? That you're freed from it and you're free from that power. In Galatians 6, Paul says, wow, Paul says this, he says, I boast in nothing except the cross. I boast about nothing except the cross. Oh, no, 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 let me boast about something, you know. I had some serious self-discipline that I threw into the pot. All right. I know all you losers really have to depend on the cross, but me, I just threw some serious self-discipline into the pot. No, it's not what Paul says. And if ever there was a man that had a full resume of being able to keep the law, being perfect in so many re regards, come to this place and says, I boast in nothing except the cross. I've got nothing to offer except the cross. And then he goes and says, for, for the world has been crucified to it and I'm to the world. Oh, this world is powerful. Just look at Hollywood. <laughs> Just look at, look, look at, put on your news and see how the spirit of this world is pulling people to their different agendas. They've got no chance. They've got no chance. This uh, uh, little pretty girl that get all the attention and all the fame. She's got no chance against the spirit of this world. This old person has no chance, and this world just grips her, snatches her off. And so we were all, we had no chance. We were slaves to it until the cross came and set us free from that power so that the impact of the world does not have to pull me in any way. <laughs> but Jesus didn't stop with the death. 
didn't stop with the death. We were not just freed from its power, but he gave us a new life. It's interesting, you know, I, I, I remember when I was in school. Now, we were in a Christian school, although probably, I don't know, probably 2% of the people there were born again, right? I, I, I conservatively, I would say, maybe, yeah, 2% of the people were truly born again, although the whole school will profess to be Christian. And I remember this idea of, you know, you being taught to be a Christian and a good person. But I can honestly say to you, the very thing that I thought, yes, it might be cool to live for God, but I had no desire in me to live for God. I had no desire to follow Him. And every now and then, someone will get born again in our school. And every now and then, I would look at a guy that got born again, and I go like, this guy really wants to follow God. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Um, um, Rudy, Rudy, we spoke the other day, he spoke to me of some of his idols, and one of his idols is exercise. And subtly in my, me, I'm thinking, geez, why can't that be my idol? <laughs> it's like, I need to fight it the whole time, man. I can't get rid of it. Send a little bit over here. <laughs> but this, this, this desire to, to, to please God. You know, all of us have no desire to please God. And, 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 and I know some of us are good, good people and had a desire to please the teacher and so on. But actually, all that you wanted to do is stay out of trouble. You had no inward desire to please God. Your whole life was love to please yourself. And then God came and he put the spirit inside of us that has the desire to please him. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, we have this ambition to please God. How much ambition is in this room? I was asking us, how much ambition is in this room? Do you remember a time when your ambition was only to please God? Do you find times where there's all kinds of other ambitions that's kind of engaging on that ambition? And the true ambition only to please God is under more challenge. Ah! When I was reading that verse and I, I was uh, saying again to the Lord, Lord, the greatest privilege that your spirit gave to me, greatest privilege, is a desire to follow you. And the greatest, the greatest joy that I experience is if there's a work in me that has this great desire to follow him. You know when Paul says we are alive to God? We are alive to God? We're suddenly, the, 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 suddenly whenever God is moving, whenever God is doing, suddenly we just, we just awaken, we're alive to him. I feel like I'm getting a little bit rowdier. Alive to the noise of the kids. <laughs> yeah. Second um, Corinthians five fourteen, Paul says, "I've been compelled by the love of God to do His work." This is what I will say: is the resurrection work. 
And I want to ask you again, I want to leave it like this. Resurrection work, when it's at its full course, caused me to do the things of for God out of love. When, when the resurrection power is not operating with me, the work that I do for God is done out of duty. <laughs> and I realized, just with me, I had to return to, I had to, I had to put on the work of Jesus again in my life, right? Where working with him is not dutiful anymore, but I'm compelled by love. It is when I saw that guy in my school, he was an absolute nobody, loser, enjoyed his flesh, and suddenly he's got this great desire to follow him. I remember that same spirit was in me when I started following the Lord. And somehow, at times, I've allowed duty to become the thing that rules me and no longer love that compels me. So I'll pray. <laughs> Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your remedy. Thank you for your remedy for every pain and every struggle that we are facing. Thank you for your remedy that is the cross. <clears throat> Father, I pray that the reality of the cross that left us not as orphans, that left us not as a distant people that need to figure out and go through this life, but I thank you that in every way you were able to sympathize and carry our pain carry our struggles and carry everything with us. I thank you that you didn't leave us merely as a sympathizer, but you were willing to take everything to the cross. I thank you, Father, that you freed us from our identity and gave us a new identity. I thank you that you freed us from the power of sin, that you freed us from the power of this world. And I thank you, Father, that you rose with us in a new desire and ambition to serve you and to follow you. Jesus, I pray that where the work of your cross has gone dull in our lives, that by your spirit we will be awakened to it again. Father, where Paul needed to say to the Romans, don't you know who you are? Have you forgot who you are? Jesus, that we will remember again by your spirit. Jesus, I pray where your work has become more duty than compelling by love. I pray again that you would allow your resurrection spirit to work through us, a people compelled by love and an ambition to please you. Thank you for your cross, Jesus. It is the ultimate distinguisher on this side of eternity. Amen.